of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord.
Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us, your servants, grace by the confession of the true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal trinity and in the power of the divine majesty to worship the unity. We ask of you that you would keep us steadfast in this faith and evermore defend us from all adversities, who lives and reigns with you, one God, world without end. Amen. Our catechism lesson for this morning continues our study of the sacrament of holy baptism. For what purpose have sponsors been introduced? They are to testify that children have been properly baptized and also to assist in caring for their Christian education and to pray for them. In Matthew 18 we read, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Ephesians chapter 6 we read, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the instruction and admonition of the Lord. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, Yahweh, is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the posts of your house and on your gates. Who may serve as sponsors? While any Christian may serve as a witness to baptism, to be a sponsor and assist in bringing up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, one must believe and confess the true Christian faith and all its articles. Therefore, a sponsor should be chosen from among those who have been instructed and have made a public profession of the true Christian faith and the doctrine of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Our epistle lesson for this morning and also our sermon text for today is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments are, and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again? For from him by him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel for this morning's reading is taken from the third chapter of the book of John. Please rise. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus says to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Thus is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel? and do not know these things. Truly, truly I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man has ascended into heaven, but he who came down from heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of our Lord. Because today is the Holy Feast of Trinity Sunday, we will confess our faith in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which is found on page 53 of the Lutheran Hymnal. Whosoever will be saved, before all things it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. In which faith, except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlastingly. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one. The glory of evil, the majesty of eternal. Such as the Father is, such as the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Ghost incomprehensible. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet not three eternal, but one eternal. And there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensibles, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, and the Holy Ghost almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Ghost is Lord. And yet not three lords, but one Lord. For life is here compelled by the Christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be God and Lord. So are we are forbidden by the Catholic religions to say there be three gods or three lords. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone. Not made or created, but by God. The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor 
begotten, but for the seed. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Ghost, not three Holy Ghosts. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than the other. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-eternal. So that in all things, as is aforesaid, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. He therefore that will be saved must thus strengthen For the more it is necessary to everlasting salvation that he also believe faithfully in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man. God of the substance of the Father, begotten before all worlds, and man of the substance of his mother, born in the world, perfect God and perfect man, of a reasonable soul and human flesh subsisting, equal to the Father as touching his Godhood, and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood, who although he be God and man, yet he is not two, but one of Christ, one not by conversion of God into flesh, but by taking the manhood of God, one altogether, not by confusion of the substance, but by unity of person. For as the reasonable soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended to hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended to heaven, he sitteth on the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And who's coming, all men shall rise again with their bodies, and shall give an account of their own works. And they that have done good shall go into life everlasting, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. This is the path of faith, which except a man will be faithfully and firmly, if he cannot be saved. Please be seated. We will continue with the office hymn, hymn number 252.
mercy and peace be to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for this morning's consideration is taken from our epistle lesson, Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments are and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? who has first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again. For from him, by him, and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Dear Christian friends, this is Trinity Sunday, as we have commemorated with our confession together of the Athanasian Creed. That creed was the culmination of literally centuries of Christians struggling with how to speak about God and Christ based on what is revealed to us in the books of the Holy Scripture. The history of the early Christian creeds is very complex and involved, and many books have been written on the subject. But we see the beginnings of what we now call the Apostles' Creed in the second century, the generation after the last of the Apostles, John, had died. The Nicene Creed comes from somewhat later. It reached its final form at the Council of Constantinople in the year 381 AD. It is really the only one of the three major creeds where we know for certain its origin. The young Christian church rather famously struggled for centuries before with what we could and should and could and could not say about God and Christ. And the language of these three creeds are still widely used by the world and by Christians to explain what the Christian understanding of God and Christ truly is. Now why would that be? Most religions have a fairly simple concept of God, or there are many gods. For the Greeks, godhood was defined by having divine vigor instead of blood. But the Greeks never claimed that Zeus or Apollo or Aphrodite or any of their other gods were eternal. Many of them, including Apollo and Aphrodite, have rather interesting birth myths. They do not claim that their gods are all-knowing. Many of the Greek myths concern stories of the gods playing tricks on each other. And as a result of these tricks, the Greek gods show themselves to be bitter, spiteful, vengeful, and petty. They do not seem to be good role models in many cases, and certainly not sinless, or holy, or perfect. And those gods may have influence over worldly affairs, but they are not depicted as all-powerful, even in their own domains. The god we worship is very different than this. From the very beginning, our god claims to be eternal and all-powerful. The very first verses of the Bible testify to this. In Genesis chapter 1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and morning were the first day. Note that even here at creation, we see a certain division in God. He spoke, and the Apostle John in his gospel would identify that word as the sun, and there was a spirit hovering over the face of the waters. This act of creation in many ways is the defining characteristic of our God. 
The fact that God is our creator is mentioned in many ways and at many times in the Old Testament, as well as the New. Psalm 95 clearly testifies to this, and these words are familiar to us as the canticle that we call the Venite. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth, the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. John also clearly testifies that this word, which God used to speak at the beginning, is the Son, who would later on take on human flesh and walk among us. In John's Gospel, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And later on, in the first chapter of John, we also read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, as well as many others, were eyewitnesses of the ministry of Jesus Christ, who truly was and is the Son of God, present and active in creation. The words of John make it very clear that worship is due Jesus Christ. After his resurrection, the Apostle Thomas, when he recognizes the risen Lord, exclaims, My Lord and my God. It is indeed hard to find a page in the Gospel of John that does not bear witness to the deity of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit also has a separate identity and is also worthy of worship. He is clearly mentioned together with the Father and the Son in passages like the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28 we read, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the Holy Spirit also, to somewhat echo the words of our text, does know and does reveal to us the deep things of God. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by him. But perhaps most clearly, Peter says that Ananias and Sapphira, when they lie about selling a possession of theirs, are lying not to men, but to God, when they lie to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, we read, But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira and his wife, sold possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your hearts? to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God. And yet we know that there are not three gods, but one God. Moses testified to this before the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Crucially, 
we believe that all three of these, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are God at the same time. At Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke. Jesus was in the water, and the Holy Spirit descended on him. In Matthew chapter 3, we read, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Just like Nicodemus in our gospel lesson for today, we may say, How can this be? We do not normally say that three different persons are the same being. We cannot imagine this happening <laughs> with people. We each are our own person. We are each our own being, our own substance. And yet, this is how Scripture speaks of God. God reveals himself through Scripture to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, because of the way that Holy Scripture speaks about this, we must confess that there is one God and not three. If we were to say otherwise, that would force us to violate what Scripture says in some way. It is absolutely vital in our study of God's Word that we say as much as we can say and do not overstep the bounds of what Scripture says. That sounds easy, but recorded history is full of people who have gone too far or come up short, and there are still plenty alive today who enthusiastically hold to one error or another about God and his nature, or Christ and his nature. Let's take one fairly crass example, uh, which, for the quiz later, is called modal monarchianism. This position states that God is sometimes Father, sometimes the Son, and sometimes the Holy Spirit. In the same way that sometimes water is liquid, sometimes it is ice, and sometimes it is steam. That certainly makes sense to our human minds, and we can certainly understand it, but we cannot understand the scene of Jesus' baptism this way, because that is not how Scripture describes it to us. In the scene of Jesus' baptism, God is not only the Father speaking, only the Son speaking, only the Holy Spirit alighting on the Son, but God is all three at the same time. There are many variations on this theme, denying that either Jesus is truly eternally God, which is hard to reconcile with almost anything that we read in the Gospel of John, especially the first chapter, or denying that the Holy Spirit is truly eternally God and is instead some kind of primal force or impersonal being. There are even many who, counted, who are counted as Christians today who would teach these things. It is sad to say, but in the light of our text, it should not surprise us. If Paul could say this as an apostle who wrote and or influenced the majority of the New Testament, what chance do we mere mortals have? And yet, it is the will of God to make his mind known to us. He has revealed his nature to us in Scripture, where he is also promised to be found. He has promised also there to be powerful and active, to create and strengthen the faith in us as we read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest it. Why does it matter? These definitions of God sure do seem awfully academic and abstract. They really apply to us. Is it really important that we understand these intricacies? When someone says that Jesus Christ is not true God from all eternity, what implication does that have for us, for our faith, and for our life? 
In order for many of the things that we say that Jesus says in the gospel to be true, he must have truly divine power and authority. For example, if Jesus is not true God, is he really the creator? He can't be. What authority could he possibly have to forgive sins? Did he really do the miracles that are attributed to him? Did he really rise from the dead on the third day? as he said that he would. And what does that say about the apostles and the others who claim to be witnesses of his resurrection from the dead and his glorious ascension into heaven? Indeed, many today, even some who would claim to be Christians, would say that he did not rise again, that the historical fact of his resurrection is not important, and that what matters is what we do today. But this is not what scripture tells us of the mind of God. Scripture tells us that we all indeed have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That no matter how good we think we are, we are not and cannot ever be good enough. And really, we know that even if we are good, we can never be perfect. And without a doubt, God demands perfection, not mere goodness, from those who would stand in his presence forever. But the two verses following our gospel reading, which are optional reading, uh, optional part of the reading for today, explain possibly in the clearest words possible the exact mind of God and his intention and will for all of us. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his world signs of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the mind and the will of God, expressed to us in his holy word. And the only way we can come to know this, that we are sinners, yes, and are insufficient and lost on our own, but that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, true God in human flesh, as a man, to live and die for us, to suffer an innocent death at the hands of corrupt and evil men. But that that obedience, that suffering and death, would be sufficient ransom to pay for all of our sins that we have ever committed, and all the sins that ever have been or ever will be committed. And that because of his divinity, that blood of Jesus Christ covers all sin. His resurrection proves that this ransom is sufficient for us. And now, he calls to us to repent of our sins, to believe in him, and to sow, to live with him forever. This is the will of God. This is the wisdom of God. We do not have to guess. He has spelled out for us in his word. And he ever give us strength to believe it and to hold fast until the end. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand. And now, may the grace of God keep your hearts and minds steadfast in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Please be seated. We'll continue with the gathering of the offerings. to thee, O Lord Most High, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy glory, O Most Holy Trinity, we thank thee for the creation and continual preservation and direction of heaven and earth, angels and men, and all things. We bless thee for revealing to thyself by thy holy word to the children of men as one eternal God in three persons. O equal in majesty, power, and glory, and for establishing a church for all generations upon the foundation of the gospel. We worship thee in true faith, and by our adoration and confession, separate ourselves from all who do not acknowledge thee as the only true and living God. O God the Father everlasting, who from eternity didst beget the Son, and having ordained him to be the mediator and redeemer of all men, is to accomplish and make known to us through him the wonderful counsel of our salvation. We humbly beseech thee to have mercy upon us and to forgive us all our sins. Lift up the light of thy countenance upon us, and we shall be healed. May it please thee, moreover, to gather a holy Christian church from all nations and tongues, and to preserve also among us a holy people, that thy name may be worshipped and glorified unto the ends of the earth. Amen to thy merciful providence, all those in authority, and pray thee to enable them so to rule and govern that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And as we can do nothing without thee, grant us thy grace that we may always in singleness of heart do those things that please thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. O God, the everlasting Son, who art the express image of thy heavenly Father in the brightness of his glory, Thine unspeakable love didst in the fullness of time assume our nature and make atonement for all our sins. We praise and glorify thee and humbly acknowledge our inability ever worthily to thank thee for all thy goodness. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, and with thy most precious blood cleanse us from all sin. Preserve unto us thy holy word and the blessed sacrament. Defend us from error and false doctrine. Rinse it off the devices of the enemies of thy word that they may have no power over us to mislead us into the paths of sin and destruction. For 
protect the whole Christian church on earth. Give to us and all its members faith, patience, and comfort in all our trials and distresses. And conduct us safely through this veil of sorrow unto the kingdom of eternal glory. O God, the Holy Ghost, who art sent from the Father and the Son into our hearts to renew them, continually enlighten us and ever enkindle the true and saving faith in us. Direct and lead us evermore into thy truth and keep us steadfast amidst all the assaults and temptation of the world, even unto the end. O most merciful and ever faithful God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, most holy and ever blessed Trinity, grant us grace to abide in the true Christian faith and to lead a godly life that after the troubles of this mortal state, we may depart in peace and in the blessed company and fellowship of the holy angels and of the elect, see thee face to face love and praise and magnify and worship thee, world without end. Amen. Please be seated. We will continue with the communion hymn, hymn number 311.
take eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given it to death for all of your sins. And may the Lord bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take also and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Heart in peace.
May this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. Son into the flesh. We thank 
be that for his sake thou hast given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. We beseech thee not to forsake thy children, but evermore to rule our hearts and minds by thy Holy Spirit. We may be enabled constantly to serve thee through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end.
Blessed good morning to everyone. We seem to be relatively light on announcements. The uh, church service, of course, will continue to be published in all the normal ways through podcast, uh, the live stream, and, and on YouTube later. Uh, Midweek online Bible study is continuing on Wednesday, continuing in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, are there any other announcements for this morning? Then uh, God grant each and every one of us a blessed week as we uh, go forward and, and look forward to seeing everyone here again uh, the next time we worship. <laughs>